November is the last focused month before the holidays kick in. People are often head down, trying to hit targets or to finish projects. This makes it a great time to show your team some gratitude. At Rebel, we talk a lot about building authentic cultures and showing gratitude is the key. You can feel it when you're in a workplace that values gratitude and appreciation because the vibe is tangible. And when it's missing, it's equally evident. At Rebel, showing gratitude and appreciation is something that we've seen trickle through our business in ways we never would have imagined. It's worked its way through the organization right up to the customer and from there to our bottom line. Its impact should not be ignored. You can show gratitude in big ways and small ways. In the past, we've opened up a tab at a coffee shop near our office so staff can enjoy a latte or a treat for their hard work. Sometimes showing gratitude is as simple as taking the time to genuinely thank people, to let them know you recognize how their contribution made a difference. That's what building an authentic and awesome culture is all about. Until next month, this has been Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Meet Canada's leading changemakers at the 2016 Startup Canada Awards Grand Finale in Toronto. On November 29th, join us to celebrate the 16 national winners of this year's awards. Hear their inspiring stories and mingle with the who's who of Canada's entrepreneurship community. Register today for this exclusive must-attend event. Tickets are available at startupaward.ca forward slash events. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, the CEO at coachingbyrockstars.com. Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. On the show, we will fill you in on the trends, opportunities, and possibilities of your next steps as an entrepreneur. And we're going to have amazing conversations on advancing entrepreneurial success and growth in Canada. If you're a regular Startup Canada podcast listener, welcome back and thanks. To any of our new listeners, remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast on the iTunes stores and then visit startupcan.ca to become a member of Startup Canada and get access to mentors, resources, support, and opportunities to start and grow your business. Today, we welcome to the show the co-founder and COO of Versature Voice Over IP Services. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss how to ditch the desk with VoIP, customer relationship management, building a SaaS product, that's S, lowercase a, a, capital 
ass. I want to know why that's written like that. That's interesting. Business strategy and account management for startups. Growing up of north of Toronto, Jonathan attended the University of Ottawa and began working in Ottawa's thriving tech sector during the late eight, uh, 1990s. He has spent more than 15 years helping organizations change the way they do business through technology. And with a background focused on the internet, hosted technologies, and most recently cloud services, Jonathan Moody focuses on helping firms of all sizes realize the business changing benefits of services such as Salesforce.com, Google Apps, Asana, and hosted communications such as Versature's hosted PBX system. Jonathan is an act is active both in and out of work. He races sailboats north of Toronto and in the nation's capital. He organizes Versature's hockey team and has be- recently become a certified ski instructor. Jonathan, like me, is a longtime volunteer of Canada's entrepreneurship community, and that's exactly why he's a cool guy. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rivers. Happy to be here. Right on, dude. Well, look, uh, your career was once described as being customer-centric. Can you give us a little bit of the background on that? You say once, like it isn't anymore, but... Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, once. Who wrote this script? (laughs) I I hope it still is. Uh, I have always been a a customer guy. It started when I was young in high school, working retail, and I've always... uh, like the challenge of uh, taking care of customers and felt that as a customer myself, when I walk in, a, whether it be a retail place or a big business purchase that we're making or anything else, that they should be aligned with me, that I should just, it should make sense to move forward. It should be clear and transparent and uh, there should be you know, no hesitation and no sales tricks. I, I, the idea of buying a used car doesn't uh, excite me very much. You know, I uh, I'm, I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to interview one of your colleagues, Anastasia, uh, a little while ago. And uh, what I, what's very cool is one of the things she talked about with the success of Versature is really resonating with what you said just here. And she said, we don't, we're not a B to C, we're not a B to B, we're an H to H, human to human business. And that's what gives us our, our competitive advantage. So very cool that... Uh, that you brought that out too. So let's kind of, uh, let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey and, you know, yourself and how you became the co-founder of Versature. Yeah. So as, as I said before, I started in, in retail actually in high school and, and technology. Uh, we actually have a few employees with us that have started in technology. And that's back in the day when, you know, the world's just different. We're selling compact mm. computers in a mall. I just, it, it doesn't even work. I mean, and somehow I was thinking about that today uh, and uh, I thought about the Apple store does that, but it's just not the same thing. Um, right. I, I mean, the margin was in printer cables. That was how you made your money was you made sure you sold a $25 printer cable that cost you a dollar fifty. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing because I remember those days. <laughs> so, so it was so backwards for me. I said, this is just not how technology needs to be sold in this world. It just, it, it, it wasn't aligned with the, the customer. And you're going to hear me use that word repeatedly it seems to be stuck in my vocabulary but they, mm. they come in even reading a box on a video game and they'd read the bottom of that that box and it would say you know requirements you need this and this and this and the good guys there would ask the customer of course well what, what kind of computer do you have 
the bad staff there would actually just say, well, do you have this stuff? And when the customer kind of looked and nodded, they'd say, great, and put it on the counter to sell it. And as soon as I started to see that going on, and the more I learned about business to business and and enterprise software, and and, uh, later on, I moved into Magma Communications in Ottawa, which was a a startup ISP that opened a few data centers. I realized this problem wasn't just at the retail level. It was a technology problem altogether. It was about that technology was sold for the sake of technology. Right? We, we weren't selling it to help business, to further people's uh, success in their business. We didn't ask, hey, what are you doing in your mm. company? What, what's the struggle you're having? How can we help uh. you? We said, well, what, what do you need? And they said, well, I need a CRM. And they said, great, well, here's three. This one's the cheapest. This one's the most expensive. This one's in the middle. Why don't you take the middle one? And yeah. I heard that repeatedly. Didn't matter what area of technology, that was the conversation that went on in the buying process. And so when I heard that, what did I do? I said, we got to do the reverse. I knee-jerk the status quo. And so I was uh, fortunate enough to meet uh, my co-founders uh, coming out of uh, Magma Communications. And I, I was just done at the University of Ottawa. And we looked looked at what market was out there. And one of them had a a business in the IT space. And he had this challenge where they didn't have phone service from a company they wanted to work with. They're buying from the bells of the world. They were then putting a piece of equipment in place that was sold to them completely backwards. And they were unhappy. And so we saw this opportunity to go in, sell it, uh, what we called hosted at the time, and deliver an experience that made sense that was selling to help their business, not for the sake of technology. And so I just aligned perfectly where, where I was coming from and, and what my beliefs have been. And it's been uh, 10 years at this point, and we're uh, still kicking at 50% growth and driving that strong. Wow, that's so cool. It's, you know, one of the things you did, I'm a firm believer in order to be successful in business, you have to zag when everybody else zigs, but the zags don't have to be that kind of new. They don't have to be out there. And just by that simple attention, to what the customer needs in an industry that didn't do that was an awesome zig, and it's obviously worked for you. And like you say, you've got the growth to uh, to, to back it. So um, you know you're going up against the big telcos to serve a small business. Can you talk about can you talk about uh, um, the approach of small business today to go up against the big guys? that might not have worked in the past? Are you, what are you, are you seeing certain things besides the, the H2H model? Is there other things that, uh, that you're doing that the telcos just can't touch you with? Uh, well, and you mentioned Anastasia, and it's, it's funny because when we, we talk about this, it's, it's always a challenge because we've been doing this long enough. For me, these things are just things that we do, and, and why wouldn't we do these things? And, and you're right, H2H uh, encompasses a, a large group of them. Uh, but the things that I always have to kind of throw in the brakes and think about are, I mean, we're entirely Canadian-based. We don't outsource any uh, support to, to India or Philippines or anywhere else. When, when our clients call in, they actually reach our staff members located in Ottawa. Same with all of our sales staff. They all work out of the same office. They all can communicate with each other and pass information. It's, uh, uh, you know, the size of the organization, I like to say we're big enough that we can service our client base. We have access to basically phone numbers all the way across Canada. We can deliver, you know, to large business, to medium business, to small business. We can do it all, but we're small enough that we're able to actually have those discussions, actually offer value to those customers. And so I'd say Canadian and large enough to be useful to clients. You know, we're not, we're not a mom and pa shop. We, we started there 10 years ago and, and built that up. Uh, but we're also 
small enough that that we can offer that H to H, which I think is a, is a challenge. It's not the big guys don't want to do it. Uh, they just it's it's difficult to do when you have yeah. you know twenty thousand employees scattered across the country, and you know HR, as I'm sure you run into your business, is always interesting, and you got turn, uh-huh. turnover and new products being pitched all the time, and they're acquiring firms and selling firms and shutting down divisions. It, it's difficult to do all these things and offer that level of service that that you and I expect. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, and you're right. Uh, we do run into it with our business also. So I think that whole aspect is is a, is a point well taken. But let's kind of talk about phones for a second. You know, I when I I used to work in the phone uh, for the, the phone company in Nova Scotia, MT and T it was called at the time, Maritime Tell and Tell before then. And and there was a guy. There was a division in charge of coin. In other words, phone booths. And then, and then, and of course, that doesn't even exist today. And you know, when I look at uh, my wife and her just having a discussion yesterday about the house phone, what the heck do we have one of those things for? Do you see the same thing happening with the desk phones? You know, are they dead? Are they dying? What's, what's your thoughts on that? So, so desk phones are an interesting discussion always, and they're kind of the symbol of, I would say, legacy to most people. They think about, oh, I got to get away from that desk phone. And I think the home phone, I think you probably have a pretty valid argument in a lot of cases. The the office phone for us is really, I think is really interesting because like a web browser, it's actually just a, a tool, right? It's a way of accessing that, that communication system. And so uh, it's not necessarily as cut and dry as it is in a home because you still need the other pieces of that functionality. And how do you deliver it? Well, that really depends on what that goal is. And so if you just need someone who's going to pick up a phone, they need to be reliable. Uh, you, the best thing you can do at times is have an easy, simple phone to reach over to. We always talk with people trying to go to soft phones, right? But all of a sudden mm. you're plugging a headset in, you're finding that window to answer that call. And as a business owner, the last thing I want is my sales guy either missing that inbound phone call or mm-hmm. taking it and not having audio, or he forgot to put his headset on before he answered or something that affects that relationship. And so for me, it's the again, the business that's first and the technology that follows. So if it happens to not be a desk phone and you're a real estate agent and you want to get all your calls in your cell phone, that's great. Do it. Let's deliver it to an app. Let's forward out to your cell phone again, depending on the specific need. But if you're a receptionist sitting at a desk, taking those calls for those real estate agents, probably the best thing for you is a very high quality, very reliable device is going to let you take 100, 200 phone calls in a day, transfer, conference, see if someone's available. Those are pieces that may be better served than a phone. And so uh, we're ironically reintroducing phones in a lot of cases. And the big driver there is it was cost. So people would say, I don't want desk phones because they're going to cost me X per desk. And I Uh see that as an unneeded cost. And so what we've done is like the cell phone space actually included the phones with the service. And it's very interesting when you see that happen that all of a sudden people say, well, you know what? I don't, maybe it would be good to have a a phone on each desk, (laughs) but as soon as you add a cost to it, they say that's an extra we don't need. Um, And so we, we kind of walk that line with clients. We still, in the majority of cases for standard office use, uh, which is generally a, you know, a percentage of each client we have, uh, they're rolling desk phones, uh, high featured stuff, right? I mean, they, they could have cameras, they have recording built into them. They're three three way conference calls. You know, they're, they're doing more than a, a dumb telephone you have in your house is, but they're right. really, a they're a connector, a channel into the platform we offer underneath. And that's when you get into things like call recording. So you want to be able to have a, you know, for training purposes, or maybe to manage risk, if you're an insurance company, you want to be able to go and get a copy of that recording to play it back should something go wrong and find out they didn't actually 
ask to have that extra waiver added and uh, you want to have that recording. And so these are the pieces where sometimes when you peel a few more layers off the onion, so to speak, that you end up with a, a need or a case where you might want to have a, a more traditional approach. Uh, and so right. we see a mix of both. Yeah, very cool. Well, look, as a, as a CEO of Versature, uh, one of your roles is to implement the customer success strategy. And we talked about you being customer-centric. And I uh, I really, very quickly, got a, a sense that you understand that the that the, uh, the business is all about a dating game and it's about keeping the customer in the honeymoon stage of being in that, that date. And you talked about trying to understand your customer more and so on. So beyond that sense of what do you need and I'm going to help you get it, are there other, are there other uh, relationship building strategies that you uh, implement as part of your, uh, your overall strategy? For sure. So the, the term customer success, uh, for listeners that aren't familiar with that, I definitely stress is worth taking a look at. It's a, a fairly new trend in the uh, in the SaaS space. Uh, you mentioned uh, capital S, lowercase a, lowercase a, uppercase S <laughs> yeah. before. Um, yeah. So it's it, this is, I would say, a, a result out of, this, of the SaaS space has been a movement towards uh, customer success as, whole, as a whole. There's a few big firms in the U.S. really driving the, the, the value of it and creating platforms around it. But really what we're doing is... We are valuing that relationship, and it's much easier to do when you're in a SaaS or a subscription service, which is what we are, right? It's a reoccurring revenue business. We right. don't get money by shipping a phone out the door. We get money by having a 10-year relationship with our customers, right? Mm. That's how we get it. And this is, if, if I can speak freely about car dealerships, they miss it, right? They, they just think the services just comes when you buy the car, so they actually focus on getting cars out the door. And some of them are starting to figure it out. They give you coffee. They might have internet, right? They're saying, hey, if we can get them to come in and get their service done every three months, there's actually a good amount of revenue here. This mm -hmm. is what we believe. It's what we live. And so we are not only focused on that relationship from a support perspective. So the traditional way, a break fix, right? You call, this doesn't work. Our guy says, yeah, click here, push that, you know, fix. You say, oh, you are wonderful. Thank you for doing that. We actually want to have an ongoing relationship with you so we can hear what's what's changing in your business, right? Are you opening a new location and we can help you plan for that? Are you moving and you need to understand what's involved for us helping you instead of you calling the day of the moving, going, oh, I forgot to call and tell you I was moving. What do I need to do? Um, we can actually have that ongoing relationship. So we have a new team called Customer customer success management. Uh, mm -hmm. We're not the first ones by any means to be doing it, but trying to remove that piece and add it to a, a separate team. And they're focused on like a sales guy, which is always my, my worst example ever, right? That calls and checks in every three months and says, Hey, how are you doing? How's your dog? You know, trying to make <laughs> small talk. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> And so what we're doing is actually using software uh, to pull those what we call actionable items out. So let's say you made your first overseas phone call. So we call and check in and say, hey, how, how'd that overseas phone call go? You haven't used our service that before. I assume it was good quality. Did it connect as you wanted? Did you know it wasn't that expensive? The UK is only, you know, four cents a minute. How did that work for you? Uh, we can have those conversations. Let's say you grow and add four more staff. We can call and say, hey, well, how, how are those new staff doing? Are they liking the phone they're on? Do they need headsets, right? But we can have a, a value-based conversation, not one purely around this broken sales model that we've we've used traditionally to service the marketplace. And so we're using any conversation point that we can create, not by a salesperson, because we need to be a positive relationship, and mm -hmm. they're calling and checking in. And the the end result of this 
is that that's also the same person that's doing that renewal at the end of the term, right? So they've had an ongoing relationship, maybe talking about the business challenges. Maybe it's growing or shrunk or contracted or, or done, you know, any of these things. Maybe there's just ch- business challenges that are going on we've been able to help with. Well, when he's calling to chat about the renewal in the next three years, he's not a, a random sales guy. He's now someone you have a relationship with based on actually being able to help you. And that's really the underlying value of a customer success team. And it's what we've always done, I think, as a small business. And it's one of those things that as we've grown up and keep adding staff and adding staff, it's allowing allowing us to continue delivering that type of service to our customers, which is always so critical, as you said, to the way I think about things. And and, and it's obviously on our, an organic approach to doing business too. I mean, it starts with the vision and strategy, but then implementation, you can't turn it on and off. You've got to nurture, nurture, nurture. Do you have any recommendations for Companies that are listening to a uh, speak right now and they're going, oh man, he's freaking right. I gotta, uh, I gotta really adjust asking about the dog. Which, by the way, she's fine. Her name is Gracie. She's doing quite well, thanks. And uh, she uh, to having this customer success strategy that Jonathan's talking about. He's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely true. But I've been doing it this way for two years. How do you pivot? Jonathan, how do you recommend? I mean, you started from scratch doing it, but how would you recommend that someone pivot and focus on that? Yeah, so for me, the the tooling is is so key because you have to have that that holistic view of your client, right? And I mean, from the marketing, how you're selling them, sorry, how you're leading them in, how you're selling them in the sales team, how you're bringing them on board, right? And then again, how you're supporting them down the road, and and you have to have full visibility. If you don't have that visibility of what's happening, you actually aren't able to make the correct decisions because you don't have the right information. And so for me, that is so uh, important. And the second piece I'd say is start looking at the SaaS products out there. Um, Everyone's talking about it. They'll build some excitement, get you going with some momentum um, so that you can then take a tool. We happen to be a Salesforce shop. We use Salesforce to connect everything, but it isn't by any means the only option. Any way you can look and say, what's happening to these clients? Are they the right clients coming in? Are we doing the right things with them to come along? And what's, what's that output at the end? And then you can tweak that relationship to improve it. And you're aligned with the customer. So you're actually improving it for yourself you're improving it for them, right? Because they're only going to be there if, if you're doing what they want. Right on. Uh, let's keep talking about SaaS. Uh, Ottawa recently has really become a hub of SaaS companies. And so it kind of lead into, you know, have is, has how has that assisted Versature from uh, getting increased attention on the sector in Ottawa? Or, or is it helping at all and, uh, or maybe not? You're absolutely right. It's it's a it's been a really nice movement we've seen. Ottawa's traditionally been a, a telecom space, uh, you know, in the tech world, and had a lot of success in the late '90s. I mean, Nortel and the Mitels of the world, Corel, all Ottawa-based firms. Uh, but when Nortel went down, and uh, you know, a lot of that telecom space slowed after 2000, it, it was hurting. And so we have seen a resurgence in the SaaS space, and we're a little bit different because we're part telecom, part SaaS. But uh, we've been getting together now with a, a great meetup group. In Ottawa. If you're local, I definitely suggest checking it out. The SaaS Ottawa meetup uh, right. being hosted by Clipfolio actually was a, another local SaaS success story. And it's been fantastic for just sharing. And so people go down, you know, some of the executives, and I don't get a chance to go to them all. I wish I did. Some of the big conferences in the US and bring back those, those use cases, right? Bring back those those uh, 
processes that we should be doing here, those ideas and concepts, and then present them to the local group. We've had 80 people out of some of the events. So it's been, wow. it's been uh, really good for sharing that and, and uh, being aligned in ourselves. We've created a couple of partnerships out of it. So people have products that sort of can tie in with us. We're now pitching as part of our demo process, which we're big mm. on just talking about h- how we can do the things that, y- you know, you see on TV. I want to say you go to these conferences and you hear, oh yeah, that'd be great. We could never do that. We're not big enough. We don't have the budget. We're not in California. And in reality, find out, hey, they're doing that in the other end of town. Tell, tell me how you're doing it. We got to do the same thing. And uh, it's not generally competitive. So people tend to share and are happy to, to give advice. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that uh, it's really, you know, you you network and you grow. So that's another simple thing, isn't it? Just so obvious. Well, let's move on to a recent award that you got. Uh, my friend, you were awarded the uh, 2016 Top 40 Under 40 Award. That's, uh, you know, that's, uh, as Canadians, we don't want to brag about this, but but that's that's cool shit. That's awesome, man. You congratulations. So you gonna tell us about that whole experience of of uh, getting that award and what it's meant to you personally, and and maybe how you leverage it uh, into your business. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's uh, it was nice to to have it come together. It's lots of paperwork, to be honest. So when you're filling it out, <laughs> but uh, Anastasia helped me out with that actually. So nice, I, I, nice. I appreciate that. But uh, no, it's a it's, it's really a team effort. But it's really nice to be recognized. I mean, it's a good group in Ottawa got together with uh, the other ladies and gentlemen and chatted with them and understood their businesses. And it's a, while I like to think of tech and think that's the only thing that exists out there in SaaS, the reality is it's great to hear other business stories, right? From retail to, uh, you know, all sorts of different restaurants. To be honest, there's a couple there. uh, I think a furniture builder uh, was one of them. And just some very interesting stories. I had no idea they existed. So- Uh, it's a great time to get to celebrate these companies uh, and organizations that are growing. There's a few nonprofits as well that are growing locally, are successful, and what they're doing inside the community. So it's it's so nice to be included as part of that. Um, but I really, I, I'd say the big part is what I was saying before about seeing the growth again in tech in Ottawa. And it reminds me that we are uh, making a difference again. And Ottawa was maybe a little bit of a, you know, la- la- last decade kind of thing. And now we've managed to get things going again. There's a little more coal in the, in the cooker and right. uh, we've got some, some more good stories and, and good conversations. So it's another chance to celebrate uh, locally. Are you originally from Ottawa? I- I'm not, I'm a North of Toronto guy. So that's uh, I came here for university and haven't left. Nice, nice. So it really has become a community for you. That's cool stuff. So let's talk about your your journey as an entrepreneur and and as as glorious and wonderful and uh, and uh, you know the angels seem to be singing to you. Um, I know that you have got scars uh, somewhere on your body of the stuff that you have learned along the way. And so can you can you share with us uh, uh, one of those teachings, if I could call it, lessons that uh, that you think would be valuable for people listening on today? Yeah, I, I think in, in the tech world and someone who delivers a service for sure, there's there's uh, no shortage of scars. It's been it's been ten years of of continued growth, and that doesn't come without pain. Uh, I think the team has really been the, the always the challenge and the 
the, the, the shiny thing we're chasing, right? And having the right originally co-founders, adding our first staff members and, and slowly growing. And I'd say the, the biggest scar probably for me is those times where I've had to step up and, and take other roles in the organization. So whether it be mm. a, a technical role while someone's away or something happens while someone's on vacation, right? You don't have four tech guys to run full time and two to be backups while they're on vacation. And so I've done everything from pick up support calls, provision new clients, roll out new products, work with marketing. Uh, those are the, the, the times I think when I when I roll back and, and look and say that was a struggle is when we're, I'm filling in someone else's job, right? Working outside your wheelhouse. And I think that's a, uh, you know, as I'm sure you've run into in your organization, a, a required sometimes within an entrepreneurship, you just have to, someone has to do it. And if you don't uh-huh. do it, it doesn't get done. And so uh-huh. the, those, those would be the times that I look back and say, wow, I wish I didn't have to stay up all night prepping this or prepping that. And, and I laugh about Anastasia helped me with my 40 under 40, because the reality was I didn't have to do that. I, I, we put their details through. We sat down together and worked on it. She helped me with edits. And uh, there was a time when that wasn't the case, right? Between customer calls, I would right. have been trying to fill in that uh, that work. Yeah, that's cool. And because and growth affords you that uh, that opportunity to bring on brilliant people like uh, like Anastasia. So that's that's very cool. And let's you know we talked about the last ten years. Let's talk about the next ten years. And like, it, it's uh, it's it of course never ends up being exactly like you want it to be. But you you're obviously a man of vision. Can you tell us what the next ten years, uh, according to you, is going to look like with Versature? But we're focused on. Uh, doing development in ways that create a lot of value out of out of small pieces of work and so uh, things like uh, integration with Salesforce for example uh, we have a Google Chrome app that allows you to click to dial and something we call social caller ID which is when you get a phone call your Chrome browser actually will show you does a little bit of Twitter search looks at a few things to give you a little bit of an idea who's calling you uh, logo and address if it can if it's a company name so my view on where we need to be adding value, to compete with the big space and even with the, the smaller vendors is to continue with these little value ads that we can deliver. Find a, a, a just like we did around the, the H2H, find a way to communicate uh, a value to those customers, whether it be a technical feature, maybe it's a business process that we can help them with and deliver that to them like nobody else is or before everybody else is. Uh, and we can do that hopefully relatively quickly and repeatedly and uh, continue to do that. So that's really our our sort of focus for the next little bit. And uh, I'm continuing to push on the, the customer success side because you, mm. you, when you add new features, it only gets trickier to, to make everything work right. Yeah, right on. Love it. Um you, like me, uh, seem to have picked uh, the entrepreneurial community as your as one of your charities of, uh, of choice, and you do a lot of work through, uh, through that volunteer focus, especially with Startup Canada. What, what changes do you think need to be made based on connecting with the space, the entrepreneurial space, need to be made to increase uh, innovation in Canada's telecommunications industry? And I, I I love helping out. I volunteer in as many groups as I can. I have a problem with saying no, apparently, but uh, <laughs> I think it's the, it's the right problem. Um, <laughs> so my view on on startup or growth in the, especially with startups in the telecommunication industry, is that the barriers of entry in terms of generally cost. Uh, you can build stuff now to do all sorts of crazy things in the telecommunications industry for. Uh, peanuts compared to what it used to cost. Uh, now you're doing software development instead of making hardware and shipping stuff and building things like they used to. The challenge is that regulation hasn't really gone away. And mm. so you're still stuck dealing with being a 
telecom company, you're not a software company. And, and we deal with that in forms like 911 and taxation and all these different areas. And it's not only in Canada, lots of countries have this. But what happens is we're, we're creating these non telecom companies, and I won't name them on this call, but uh, on, this, on this podcast, but they're able to innovate more quickly because they don't, they're not tied back to these, these limiting factors that the government's mm. introduced over the years. And so if we can continue to increase those, and some are needed. I mean, we all need 911 on our phones, don't get me wrong, but mm. there are lots of other ways that this is happening. And so we need to continue to, to provide access with this new web development, SaaS, quick approach to things to continue being able to innovate and not sort of tie our hands um, the way they have been historically. And, and I think that mobile access, if I was to stand on a soapbox and say, that's the one that I'd love to see us have more space into, right? The the limited number of mobile carriers in Canada, mm. they're not particularly interested in having us come in there and, and shake up that market space. We're already doing it in their business space. They they like to just continue to operate on their own and and, and slow down uh, any change to their markets. And that to me doesn't doesn't really help us on a, on a global front, on an international front. If we can be successful with a product here, we're going to push it internationally because that's what you can do in, in this space. Um, it's interesting. You talk about the mobile space. Um, last year, I was fortunate to uh, chat with Tony Lacavera and uh, with Win Mobile, and uh, he just he talked about that. That that uh, it, part of the reason he he wanted to do it is because because he wanted to make the big telcos feel uncomfortable. But he said, "Oh man, they get some some men angry when they knew I was actually." going to make an impact on their bottom line. So, uh, so you're right. And of course they're great lobbyists and so on, and they have a, they have great uh, influence that way, but we, uh, we keep forging forward because uh, the little guys uh, are the ones that really, really drive the economic engine of our country. And, and it's thanks to guys like you that are uh, playing in that big guy space, making them a little disruptive for what's best for the customer. I think it's really cool what you're doing. So let's kind of, let's kind of close with the, the, Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's regulations and so on. But man, you 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 enter a space you obviously love to be in. Do you do you have any recommendations, advice for entrepreneurs looking to to break into the uh, the telecommunications industry in Canada? I think my recommendation would be to think about it like a modern SaaS firm. Look at the subscription, the value of that subscription in terms of revenue. Look at the relationship with the customer and how you can get tied in with them and how you can deliver services that they that they want and are willing to pay for. It's not about pure cost savings. I mean, that's great if you can save some money on the side, but really it's about helping them do their business better. And I, I think if I was to tie it back to where I started, that's that's how I viewed this marketplace the whole time. Technology is not there for the sake of technology. Technology is there to assist you, whether it's your personal life or your business life. And when we get wrapped up in buying tech for tech, all of a sudden the whole equation doesn't work. You can't sell properly. You're not selling the right product, not even building the right products. And so if you're going to enter into a space that's dominated by traditional slower moving firms, the best thing you can do is, is sort of forget about them. Don't look at them on the wall, build what works for you, what you think is going to work for the marketplace and get out there and scream at the top of your lungs, let everyone know what you've got. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, Jonathan, this has uh, been a very, very insightful conversation. You are indeed a rock star, sir, for what you're doing, not only with yourself professionally, but also with the way you continue to help organizations like Startup Canada and the entrepreneurial community. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. It's uh, It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Rivers. Appreciate uh, taking the time with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Jonathan Moody. He's the president and COO of Versature. You can 
follow this guy, of which I am right now, at Jonathan Moody. That's on Twitter. Or, of course, you can go to Versature at uh, at Versature on Twitter. And you can visit Versature at Versature.com. That's V-E-R-S-A-T-U-R-E.com. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. How do you how do you keep your mindset so uh, positive and always be pushing to to go for the big leagues? I mean, you just love your persona; it's shining through in this conversation. But uh, you know, guess that's DNA. But also, that's you got to be doing some stuff that keeps you upbeat. Well, there's there's a few things. I, I mean, first of all, when you're in business for yourself, it's part of what keeps you motivated. You've you've got to keep going because you've got bills to pay, just like everybody else. There's no salary coming in, so mm-hmm. you know you've got to you've got to keep putting yourself out there, and you've got to keep keep working at it. But I also love what I do, and yes. part of what. I do the the rhythms of knitting and weaving too are also very very relaxing and meditative and almost yoga like so it even when you're under a great deal of stress you can balance it out with the work that you're doing and don't try to I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts and they were talking about life work balance and yes, that really yes. really resonated with me because there is no such thing you know there's yes. so many times I'm working into the wee hours of the morning and you know if I need to get a job done I need to get a job done and and that's it you do what you yeah. have to do but as long as you love what you're doing and then besides river I can look out I can look out the window and see horses so yeah you know what's, what's not wrong to with love? that yeah <laughs> <laughs>